All right, Matthew chapter 20, I want to begin reading in verse 29. We'll read about four verses. Uh, while you're looking, you can also put a marker in Daniel chapter 3. We'll go there in just a few minutes. And as they went out of Jericho, a great crowd followed him, talking about Jesus now. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked them, them, telling them to be silent. But they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And stopping, Jesus called them and said, what do you want me to do for you? Today begins uh, 21 days of prayer and feasting. Don't worry, not 21 days of prayer and fasting. That's in January. But in, in August, uh, we, we spend 21 days, three weeks, praying and feasting. Just spending extra time with God and getting refreshed and recharged. On July the 24th, I was, I don't know what state I was in. I was somewhere. All I know is that God woke me up at 4.30 in the morning. And uh, for those of you who didn't know me, no, I am not a morning person. And so I wanted to be perturbed with God, but you can't really get mad at God. That does no good. So then I decided I was going to be mad at my grandmother because before I left, she said to me, God's going to wake you up early, early, early in the morning and speak to you. And so the first words I heard when God woke me up, uh, as I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, are you ready? And I was like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm like, Lord, I'm, I'm still trying to wake up and you're asking me, are you ready? I mean, I don't even know what that means. Am I ready to go? Am I, am I ready for breakfast? I'm kind of hungry right now, you know. And so, I, you know, I have these conversations with the Holy Spirit. I don't know what your relationship with is like, but, you know, he's my best friend and we talk like best friends. And so I'm like, you know, I don't know. Am I ready? And he begins speaking to me on this topic uh, of are you ready and uh, what are you expecting me to do for you? I thought back to this, this question right here. He drew me to this, this question that Jesus asked of two blind men. What do you want me to do for you? They're blind. Everyone knew that they were blind. Jesus knew that they were blind. They needed to see and yet Jesus still asks the question, what do you need me to do for you? And as I thought back to this, my, my, I am, as God's asking me, are you ready, Randon, and what are you expecting? Um, I'm thinking, well, Lord, you know all the stuff that you know. Like, God, you're in my life. You're, you're walking with me. You know the problems that I'm facing. You know the decisions that I'm facing. You know the things I want to see happen. You know the, the miracles that I'm praying for in the lives of your people. Lord, you know. And he said, no, no, Randon. What do you want me to do for you? What are you expecting me to do for you? And are you ready to see it happen? This was a fascinating question. And as God began to uh, continue to speak to me over the next uh, several minutes, uh, he challenged me, and I, and I want to share that with you, because he, he needed me to clarify, and he needed me to ask. Because the, the Bible says, ask, and it shall be given to you. It doesn't say, assume the Lord knows, and it will be given to you. He says, ask. And so he asked me, Randon, what do you want me to do for you? And to ask the people, what do they want me to do for them? 
we enter into this 21 days of prayer and fasting, uh, are you expecting God to answer your prayers? When you're praying over the next three weeks, are you expecting God to do whatever it is that you're asking him to do? Are you just praying because the pastor said to pray and you want to be a good Christian, so you're going to pray, but you're not really expecting things to change. What are you expecting? Are you ready? Um, Lindsay and I got uh, married uh, very early, and uh, we were going to wait five years to have a baby instead about five months or so later, we found out we were pregnant. And uh, this was very disconcerting for me. Uh, I, I mean, I was 21 years old. Uh, I, I was broke. Uh, I was, uh, you know, I, I didn't have anything. And I, I was not prepared. I, 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 had, I, I, don't, I didn't know anything about babies at all. This was very scary for me. Uh, you know, babies make me, like, un- nervous. I, I don't know how to hold them right. And I, you know, you got me. It just, and so all of a sudden, we're pregnant. Here's what happened. She tells me, Brandon, I got to tell you something. Um, we're pregnant. I didn't say a word. Not like, yes. Not like, oh, no. I mean, silence for three days. Three days, nothing. My dad would call me. Brandon, how's it going? Because my dad's super excited. Like, all my dad wants out of life is to be a grandparent. Like, he doesn't care about me. He doesn't care about money. He just wants to be a grandparent, right? And so he's calling me, like, every day. And you can, you can hear it bubbling over. You can feel it coming through the phone. But he's trying to be calm because he knows that I am totally messed up. And he's like, hey, bud, how's it going today? Nothing. I didn't say a word. I went into a cave. Finally, three days later, he's like, Brandon, you're going to have to say something to your wife. I'm like, Dad, I got nothing to say. I'm blown away. And so uh, after three days, I went and I think I bought her some flowers or something, told her I'm sorry for leaving her out there to drive for three days. I'm very happy. And, and uh, those of you who know me now know that I absolutely love my daughter, Kennedy, and um, she is one of the great joys of my life. But for, man, I was scared to death. And so you know what I'm thinking about in three days? I don't know how to change a diaper. And to be honest with you, I don't want to know how to change a diaper. Like, what if, what if, like, what if, what if I drop them? You know, is the dent supposed to go in or out? Which one do you go to? The, and all these questions are, are going through my mind. And and uh, you know, my, my wife is going to get large, and I, I'm not prepared for that. I mean, we're we're 21. And, uh, you know, we were just on our honeymoon and at the beach, and now, um, I can't tell you what I was going to think, but it involves a beach and a whale, but, you know, and I, like, these are the things that are going through my mind, and it's bad. And so somebody buys us a book. Maybe you got the same book. I don't know. What to expect when you're expecting. And this was somehow supposed to help. It's going to be okay. You can expect this. You can expect the cravings. You can expect, uh, you know, the mood swings. This didn't help me. This made matters worse for me. So now every time something happens, I'm like, you know, thinking back to the book that she made me read. And and then even after I read it, she had to read it to me again every night to just reiterate how bad this was going to be. But as I I was, I was preparing this message and, and thinking on this subject. I thought back to that moment and somehow throughout the course of that, knowing what to expect, even though at first it really did mess me up, it really did uh, start to bring peace and calm to me and know that the things that were crazy were actually normal. The things that I was going through were actually normal. Did anybody ever read that book or get that book? 
oh man, messed me up. Don't buy it for a 20-year-old, 21-year-old guy that's already messed up. Give him a little time. And so here's what, God, here's what I was praying, and, and, and God said, Randon, talk to the people about what to expect while they're expecting me to move for them. Because I'm going to move, but things are going to happen while they're waiting. So tell them what to expect so that they're not surprised and the devil can't use those things to, to destroy their faith and steal their joy and their hope and their miracle. So, so that's what I want to talk to you about today. I, I, want, to, I want to talk to you about three days, uh, three things, three battles. Uh, and, you know, and I want to share this quote with you. All my life, my dad has said this to me. And it's been a, it's been a principle, a, a core of what has built me into the man of God that I am today. And it just simply says this, uh, preparation builds expectation. Expectation builds faith. And faith moves the hand of God. If you have no expectations, it's often the truth that we also have little to no faith. And so, and, and that's where I just kind of want to insert today. Expectations build faith, and faith moves the hand of God. Faith causes things to change. Faith causes God to insert himself into your situation. Three battles that you may face, three things that you can expect to have to deal with and while you are expecting God to move on your behalf. How many of you would like to know what they are? Father, I thank you for your presence that's here today. I'm asking you, God, to be with us, to step in, to do exactly what you've said you would do. Father, you asked me, are we, are, am I ready? Are, are you ready? Are, and Father, we're saying, yes, Lord, we are ready. Do what you want to do. And then, Father, you said to ask, to, what do you want us to do? So, Lord, today I pray that our faith would be built, that we would clarify exactly what we're asking of you, and we would not be surprised by the attacks or the schemes of the enemy. But today, Lord God, our faith would be strong, our expectation would be high, and we know that you are ready to move on our behalf. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Preparation builds expectation. Expectation builds faith, and faith moves the hand of God. The first thing that you should expect to face, and we see it right here in, in uh, Matthew chapter 20, these, these blind men are coming to Jesus, they're in need of a miracle, and they, they hear that a miracle worker is passing by. And so they begin to cry out. They decide this is their chance, this is their moment. So they cry out, uh, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And the first thing that they face is not Jesus' question when he asks them, what do you want me to do for you? But the first thing that they face is the crowd rebuking and silencing them. The crowd saying to them, no, this is not your time. You just need to be quiet. You don't need Jesus. You're blind. You've always been blind. You wouldn't know what to do if you weren't blind. So you just wait back here and be quiet. I hope that you recognize in your life as we enter these 21 days, at least by the end of the sermon today, that, that the miracle worker is walking by. And if you can recognize it and begin to cry out and begin to call out to Jesus and ask him, he's going to show up on your behalf. Sometimes Jesus comes walking by and we don't have enough sense to know it. 
But these guys who couldn't even see were paying enough attention that they didn't miss their opportunity. The first battle that they faced was the crowd. You know, the crowd wants to silence you. The crowd wants to rebuke you. When you start praying and believing, when you start, when the moment you tell someone what you're asking God for, get ready for people to say, no, that's not going to happen for you. You're wasting your time. That get, you're not good enough for that. You're not, you, you don't deserve that. And they just start speaking negativity and they try to silence you. A crowd will try to silence your voice. Why is that? In 1965, a, a man by the name of George Foster uh, coined a term, uh, and it's called the theory or the principle of limited good. You may have heard about it. And essentially, uh, it's, it's, it says this. If you can imagine a, a, a pie or a, or a pie graph, that's the amount of goods, the amount of resources that are in the world today. There's only so much money, there's only so much land, there's only so much water, there's only so uh, much gold, there's only so many resources in the world. And so here's what happens. If you get more, it means that someone else has to get less, right? If we're all supposed to have $50, but somehow you have $100, it means that someone, most likely me, doesn't even get the full 50. Are you tracking with me? Because there's only so much to that pie to be split up and, and go around. You see this as you study throughout Europe, uh, through the Middle Ages and things, when they had peasants, uh, that peasants were all supposed to receive the same amount, but if somehow a peasant got more, they would hide it in their tent. They would hide it. They would bury it. Uh, they would try to keep it secret because they didn't want to be hated by those around them for having a little bit more. And, and this is one of the reasons why the crowd says to you, no, you be quiet. No, you don't get that. No, this is not for you. No, God's not going to answer you. It's because it's this limited good mindset that there's only so much that can happen good. There's only so many miracles that can take place. There's only so many answered prayers. And if you get one, it means that I won't. But here's the thing about God. God is not working on limited resources. God is not working on limited good. And I want the... He's not. And the more you get... Here's what happens in the kingdom of God. It should build my faith that says the more you get, the more I see God is moving, and I'm next in line. I'm ready to go. He's about to move on my behalf. So don't get caught up when the world is saying no. You just keep praying and you keep asking. When you see others receiving, you look up like the blind men and say, the miracle worker is here. I'm ready. Dear Lord, have mercy on me, son of David. It's my turn. The other thing about the crowd is, and I, and I don't know if you've ever been the person um, that was waiting outside the store for the store to open for a Black Friday sale. Have you ever been the person camping out and, and like waiting for the store to open and you get there early and you camp out and you're waiting and maybe you waited longer than everyone else? Because when those doors open, there's only so many sales going on and you're going to get your TV for $199. I'm going to save me $75, you watch. And so I can't let you in front of me, uh, so don't cut in line. And, and this is a crowd mindset. You don't cut in line. But here's the wonderful thing about God. 
you, everyone has their own line, and you don't have to wait behind anyone else. You can come boldly before the throne of grace. You can step right in. You don't have to say, well, I'm, I'm waiting my turn, and I've just, you know, I got all these people that have been waiting longer than me, and they've been praying for decades, and they've been praying for this, and they've been praying for that, and I got to wait on them to receive before God can get to mine. He doesn't work that way. It's not about how long others have been waiting. If you'll just ask, he said, it's time to do something. Are you ready? What are are you expecting? Can your faith get built today? Don't wait in line behind others. Say, God, I'm here to get mine today. What do you want to do in my life? Amen? All right. B battle number one is the battle of the crowd. Crowds, crowds try to bully. Crowds try to intimidate. Uh, crowds, try, crowds try to tell you that you don't deserve it. Uh, but Hebrews 4 tells us to come boldly before the throne of grace. Nothing can stop you except for you. The second battle uh, is uh, a very interesting one uh, before faith is expectation. What are you expecting? When, when I'm waiting on God to move or asking Him for something, th there are always two things, and, and maybe this is just me, but if it's you, maybe I can, hopefully I can help you today. There are always two things that seem to be at odds with each other. On the, the one hand, there is me expecting God to answer my prayer. My expectations are strong. I'm waiting. I just know maybe I got a word from God. Maybe someone called me with a prophetic word. Maybe something came alive to me out of his scripture, whatever it was. And there's this strong expectation that God is going to move. But then on the other side, I'm having to trust in his sovereignty. Like I'm, I'm expecting him to move, but in the next breath, I want to say, but you know what? He may not move. And, and these th two things can become at odds with each other, and they can begin to cause conflict. Are you, have any of you ever been there? It's like, I want to expect, but I also know that God doesn't always do what I want Him to do. Imagine that. Let's go to Daniel chapter 3. In Daniel chapter 3, the Jews had been taken into captivity by King Nebuchadnezzar, and uh, then he started to have these dreams. And as he had these dreams, Daniel uh, interpreted them for him and found favor in his sight. When Daniel found favor in his sight, he then said he was promoted to a great uh, place of leadership. And he said, hey, by the way, king, I need you to promote my three best friends as well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, and so the king said, no problem. And he put them in a place of leadership in Babylon. But now in Daniel chapter 3, we find something interesting. The king decided, despite the dreams that Daniel had interpreted, he decides to build a golden statue. This statue was 90 foot tall and 9 foot wide. He set it up out in the plains. Uh, archaeologists actually tell us that if you go to those plains today, you can find a massive earthen mound that is 45 foot square. Uh, and it's in, a, it's in a perfect square, and it's built up with a stone base as if it was the foundation for a massive statue, probably the one we hear, read about in Daniel chapter 3. It's still there today. You can, go, you can go see it. And so he builds this statue. But not only does he put this statue up, he says, he makes this decree or this law, and he says, when anyone hears the sound of the orchestra playing, you are to stop what you're doing, drop on your knees, bow down, and worship this golden statue. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say, no, we're not going to do that. 
So the guys that uh, didn't like uh, Daniel and didn't like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they, they came and they came to the king and they said, hey, king, you know how you said everyone has to bow down? The king said, absolutely. They said, well, there's three guys that are not doing it. So they dragged them in. The king stands before them and he says, I've heard that you're not willing to do this, but let me just say, if you are not going to bow down and anyone that will not bow down, you will be thrown into a fiery furnace. What's a fiery furnace? It's a massive furnace, a massive fireplace. And he said, you're going to be thrown into it. He said, so I'm going to give you one more chance. And I, and I, and I love what happens here. Let's pick up uh, in verse 16. Well, let me get out of Matthew. Verse 16. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. I love their response to the king. Because it defines the same thing that I'm talking about and the same thing we have to go through. Their, their response is threefold. Number one, our God is able. The first thing you've got to get settled is your God is able. This was settled for them. I don't know what kind of miracles they'd seen in their life. I don't know what kind of things they had seen God do. And yet it was settled in their heart. Despite the fact that they had been taken into captivity, into slavery, it was still settled our God is able. Second thing they said was, He will deliver us. I love this. He will deliver us. You know what that says to me? An expectation that God is going to do something. He will deliver us out of your hand. You know, so often we stop short of saying God will do something because, well, I don't want to be made out to a liar and I don't want to make God out to a liar. You know, these guys said He's able and He will. Hey, I hate to tell you, He didn't. I don't want to ruin the end of the story, but they were thrown in the fiery furnace anyway. And yet they stood there with this great expectation. He will deliver us out of your hand. And then here comes the third part, and here's the battle. They said, but if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow down to you. What are they saying? If we don't get delivered, we're going to still worship our God. We're going to still trust in our God that somehow he knows what he's doing. Now, here's my question. If you are one of those three guys, I don't know which one said it. I don't know if it was Meshach or Abednego or Shaq. I don't know which one said it. But I wonder if it's me and there's three of us together and, and one of them stands up and says, if he doesn't, I'm still not going to serve you. I'm thinking in my mind, what good could possibly come from me going into a fire? Like what good could possibly take place my, by me being burned alive? And yet, they said, do what you will. We're not going to bow down. And I love this. At, at the crux of, of expecting God to move and declaring his word over your life, and then on this other side is trusting in the sovereignty of God or, or the sovereignty of God, the intersection of those two things is trust. Do you trust God? And you see, they're linked. 
our expectations for him to move are directly linked to our trust that he is a sovereign God. The two things that seem to be at odds actually work together. And they said, I know that God will deliver us. Trust is a difficult thing. It's, it's easy to trust when all is going well. It's difficult to trust when you're facing the fire. Do you trust God? They said they would. They said, they said God, we, we, if it, King, if it takes going into the fire, we're going to trust in our God. Do you think that when they said God will deliver us, that they meant God would deliver them before they went into the fire? Because I do. Because I know that in my life, when I'm facing trials, and I'm looking at them, and I know this is about to get tough, and I say, God, deliver from me this. I don't want to walk through this. I know in my mind, I'm thinking, don't lead me through it, Lord. Lead me around it. But for these guys, God didn't lead them around. He didn't give them a me. I don't know if they were expecting, like, angel ninjas to come in from the ceiling and like get them away from the king and take them out into a place of safety. I don't know what they were expecting, but what I do know is that's not what God chose to do. Trust. They had to trust that even if they have to go through the fire, God was with them. King Nebuchadnezzar used intimidation. And you know what? The, the devil wants to do the same thing. He wants to intimidate us and he wants to use unanswered prayers. You prayed before and it didn't happen. So why would you trust that God would do it now? You went through a fire before and it burned you. So why would you trust in the sovereignty of God now? He doesn't have your best interest at heart. And he uses unanswered prayers. But you know what? The, when we read the Bible, it's easy to get caught up in the, in the answered prayers and the miracles that we see. But oftentimes with many of the great characters in the Bible, you see like one or two or three great miracles that happened over the scope of their life. But we don't read about the times when they prayed and God didn't come through. We read about the times when they kept praying and God did show up. Don't get caught up and let the devil confuse you with unanswered prayers because there are more that could fit in this book. But your answered prayer is on the way. This is our posture. He is able. He is ready. He will. But if he doesn't, I'm trusting him in his sovereignty and I won't turn my back on him. Can you act right when you don't get what you're expecting? And this leads to the third battle. Uh, expectation builds faith. The, the third battle is a battle for your faith. They trusted and they had faith. At the core of the faith, of our faith, is the battle between um, the seen and the unseen. That's what's at the, that's what's at the crux of this matter. Here, here's what they're facing. Put yourself in their perspective. The scene is King Nebuchadnezzar. The scene is a fiery furnace. The scene is maybe a doctor's report. The scene is maybe a bank statement or divorce papers or, or a, 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 a boss that's already declared what he's going to do over your life. Oftentimes, the scene gets so very real, but on the unseen was God. They had never seen God before. They didn't know what he looked like. He wasn't standing there next to them saying, don't worry, guys, I've got your back. They had never seen God. And so now they're at this battle between what they see. The King Nebuchadnezzar, he had a reputation, and historians tell this outside of the Bible, not just in the Bible. But he had a, repu repu uh, a reputation that if a law was written 
he was very big on living according to the law. And so if he said he was going to throw you in the fiery furnace, make no mistake about it, you were going in the fiery furnace if you broke the law. And so they know this about the king. They see it. And yet they're at odds between the facts that are facing them and the faith that is within them. I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know what facts are facing you, but I'm calling on the faith that's inside of you. Saying, stay strong. Here's what the Bible says. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. The New Living Translation, it says it uh, slightly different. It says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. If you can see it, it doesn't require faith. Are you believing in the seen or the unseen? The devil wants to try to use facts to break down your faith. That fire is really hot. It's going to burn. So here's the question. Did their expectations build their faith? And did it work? Well, in fact, the king got so angry that he made the fire seven times hotter. Then he not only did that, but he bound them. And he threw them in the fire. They had great expectations of God delivering them. They had great faith. They stood in the face of the king, in the face of a king that they could see, and they chose to have faith in a king that they couldn't see, and yet they were thrown in the fire anyway. Even the men that threw them in the fire were burned to death. And as the king turned to walk away, uh, some of the manuscripts that we have say that he heard them singing in the fire. Imagine this. <coughs> You're extremely angry. You tell your guards to turn it up seven times hotter, bind these three men, they throw them in the fire, you watch your own guards burn to death around you, and as you walk away feeling like, I have proven my point, you hear something coming from the fire. It's not screaming, and it's not agony, and it's not the sounds of death of which you are so accustomed to, but it is the sound of men singing praises to God. What in the world is going on? And the king turns around, and he looks into the fire with confusion all over his face, and here's what the Bible says, that he looks around and he said, hey guys, didn't we throw three in there? And they said, yes. He said, I thought I was going crazy for a minute, but don't I see four men? They're like, yes, you see four men. He goes, not only is there four men, but they're walking around and they're free and they're, they're talking. And one of them, get this, looks like the Son of God. Suddenly, in a moment, here they were facing a situation where they had never seen God before. And they had to make a decision between the seen and the unseen. And they chose an unseen God before they would fall in the line with a seen king. But when they got in the midst of the fire, isn't God good? Because suddenly, in the midst of the trial, they saw God like they had never seen him before. And they were walking with him. And they were talking with him. And they were singing with him. I have found in my life that I have never been, God has never been more real to me than when the fire was at its hottest and suddenly there is God well I didn't see you before when I was having faith in you but now that I'm in the middle of it I am glad you're here 
That's what I love about our God. He won't make, if he sends you through the fire, don't worry about it. He can strengthen you in the midst of it, and he'll be walking. If you're going through a fire today, let me just encourage you. Start looking around for Jesus. I'm going through, I'm going through a fire. I asked you to deliver me, God, and you didn't deliver me, so Jesus must be around here somewhere. Where'd you go? Where'd you go? <laughs> he, is, he is involved in your life. Look around. And then here's the other thing I love. They went in, and the, and the king had bound them up. But when they were thrown in the fire, not one hair on their head was singed, but the ropes that bound them were burned off, and they were free. Here's what I want to say to you. When God sends you through a fire, everything that the world has tried to do to bind you up and keep you down and hold you back will be burnt off and freed off. God doesn't send you through a fire without burning something out of your life at the same time. He just doesn't. And the third thing is that when he came out, when they came out, suddenly they had been, leaving, been believing God they were in a situation where all the Jews were being forced to worship another God. But when God delivered them the way that he delivered them, it was such a testimony that the king said, no other God could deliver like this. And he said, here's what I'm telling you. There's a new decree. If anyone says a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, let me tell you what's going to happen. I, you're going to be torn from limb to limb, and your entire house is going to be laid in ruins. Here's what God did. God said, guys, if you can trust me in the fire, I'm going to change the scope of the whole nation. I, my question to you is, if God could save you through the fire, whose life could he change around you? If God could send you through the fire, and in the meantime, generational curses were broken off of your life, how could it affect the kid, your kids and your grandkids forever and ever and ever? What could he do for you? But the question comes back to standing at the door of the fiery furnace and the, and, and the world is saying to you and the devil is saying to you, who are you going to believe and who are you going to serve? Will you say, do to me what you will, but I'm trusting in my God. I have faith in my God and I am expecting him to come through for me. And if he doesn't deliver me, so be it. I'll still never worship another. But when I'm in the midst of the fire, you will hear my voice praising God all the way through. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, Paul said, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, he is able to do far more than you ask or think. Seven things God said, Brandon, tell the people to expect. Maybe one of these is exactly what you need. Maybe there's two or three or four or maybe all seven. Maybe there's something else. Don't worry about it. Expect God to move. Here's what he said. He said, Randon, expect things to change. Expect things that have been stuck to be unstuck. I expect that things are about to speed up. Number two, he said to expect creative miracles. 
where there seemed to be no solution, suddenly there is. Things out of the blue. He, he said, Brandon, expect to be saying the words, I don't even know what happened. It just like suddenly it was there. God said, expect creative miracles. He said, expect your vision to become a reality, to dream again, to get a plan, and to expect what God, the vision that God has birthed in your life to become a reality, the business that you've dreamed of and hoped for, the plans, the new home that you've been asking God for. Expect your vision to become a reality. Expect to come through the fire and expect to come through free. Expect to be restored. I could hear apologies. I could hear people coming back to you and saying, I'm so sorry I had it all wrong. And, 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 and let, what can I do to make this situation right? Expect restoration. And number six, ex six, expect answered prayers. Whatever it is you're asking God for, when you pray for the next 21 days, when you, I, I'm encouraging you to get up every morning and spend at least 20 minutes with God and expect God to answer your prayers. And number seven, Expect to be healed. Physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, whatever it is, expect to be healed because things are changing. Preparation builds expectation. What are you expecting? Expectation builds faith. And faith moves the hand of God. One final verse in Daniel chapter 3, verse 12. When they came to the king, they're... Uh, and they were complaining about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now remember, many Jews had been taken into captivity. But I want you to note here, he said, there are certain Jews who are paying no attention to you. Your version may say there are some Jews. Here's where they were. There were Jews all over the place. Some had made a decision, for whatever reason, to bow down and worship the false God. But some had made a decision to have faith in their God. And that's the ones that God came through for. And here's my question to you today. Which side are you on? There's a lot of Christians in the room today. There's a lot of Christians in our world today. There are a lot of Christians that you know. But we're in a time when God said, I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready to move. My question to you is, will you be in the section of Christians that says we're just going to keep going our way and I don't think God can move for me? Or will you be in the some Christians, the some Jews side that say I'm going to stand firm, I'm going to stand on faith, I'm expecting God to move on behalf? Which, which side? I'm going to pray. And then uh, while I was hearing this word from God, this great song came uh, back to me and I, and I couldn't get it out of my mind and my heart and my spirit for like three days and while we were traveling I was driving my family crazy because I don't even know all the words and so I sang the same seven words over and over and over again but as I sang it my faith was built strong and so I'm going to pray for you and ask you this question which side are you on but then we're going to sing this song uh, and and before you make a final decision I want you to allow your faith to be built strong can you do that 21 days. We're going to have a prayer on Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. right here in the sanctuary. I hope you'll join us. It'll last about an hour, maybe a little less, maybe a little more. I hope you'll join us. But more than that, I hope that you will pray every day and ask God. He says, what do you want me to do for you? Father, I thank you that you have chosen this season. You said, are we ready? We're standing here today, God, and we're saying, yes, Lord, we're ready. 
despite the crowd, despite the, the invasion that is trying to take over our trust and our faith, but despite the facts that the enemy is throwing against us, Father, we're having faith in you that you're going to move on our behalf, that this is our time. And you said, what do we want to do? What do we want you to do for us? So God, we're going to come to you. And in the next 21 days, we're going to ask clearly, standing on faith, knowing that you're going to do exactly what you said you would do. And if you choose not to, we're going to still praise you. We're going to still worship you. We're going to still believe in you, knowing that at any moment, it might be our time, trusting in your sovereignty. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.